everybody. Good morning to you, uh, whether you're on site or online, right? Uh, just so good to have you this morning. Uh, I'm not going to play the video. It seems doesn't seem to fit. Uh, but online, just grace and peace to you. Thanks for being with us, you in this room. Uh, thanks for your giving. I have to tell you, the last six months have been stressful enough. Uh, I appreciate your faithfulness. You can give online, you can give through the apps, and you can send check and walk through the foyer, you can give there. Um, I just want you to know how grateful I am as a pastor that, that you continue to support and believe in, in what we're doing, so thank you. Uh, welcome uh, this morning. If you tuned in late, you already missed communion, that's why you don't want to tune in late here. Who knows what that stupid pastor will do, you know? grace and peace I you know I was raised in uh, a certain tribe and in the tribe I was raised in you got saved you got sanctified and then you got filled with the Holy Ghost anybody else raised in that tribe okay. and uh, every tribe has their own things right Every tribe's got their own stuff. But the tribe I was raised in, you got saved, and then when you proved you were good enough, God would let you have his spirit. And that generally meant that you spoke in tongues and everybody else knew you got it. Okay. Now, I, I am grateful for that experience, but it's not very good theology. It's just not very good theology. Uh, so how many of you got saved... And old what's-his-name, father, son, and what's-his-name moved in, but anything that he had ever done had passed away yesterday. And that the Holy Spirit wasn't the same today as he was when the apostles. So you got born again, you got saved, and, and yes, the Holy Spirit is with you, but he doesn't do the same stuff today as he did back then. Now, some of you were raised in that tribe. Right? And, and some of you got baptized as children and when you got to a certain age you went to a class and you stood up and you said the Apostles Creed and you came into an understanding that Jesus is Lord and right so you got how many of you know all of us came in differently some of you just got knocked off your bar stool on the way to hell and you went right and you've been trying to get it together but any either way in any of that Jesus is in your life Jesus is in there right and if Jesus is in there his spirit's in there oh, you didn't hear me so if you know Jesus his spirit's in there right the difficulty in all those tribes is everybody has their own perceptions and their own ideas of who God is particularly more importantly how God works in the process is of salvation acceptance love now all that said I have been influenced by my tribe and by my journey into understandings all of you have too in the 21st century I really believe that the 21st century, particularly the young people of the 21st century, begin to push back against the Holy Spirit. I think they saw 
things that were done in the name of the Holy Spirit that were weird, weren't explainable. And in a season and time when we need the work of the Holy Spirit, the church is really pushed away. And there's a huge neglect of God the Spirit. Because God is a spirit. And there's a huge neglect. <clears throat> and then you come to this moment in our human experience, we need God the Spirit. We need Him. Right now, you and I need Him. So what I'm going to try to teach this morning is in response to that. And I admit my journey. I hope you can admit yours and admit that probably all of us are a little confused. Okay? I appreciate it. Give them a shout. They've done a great job. You do know that when I get, when I'm really in the zone, it's because I work with a team of people, not just me. And when I'm really in the zone, it means you're there. Because now, couldn't you feel it this morning, the first song or two? It was kind of like, and then kind of, you kind of woke up. You kind of, oh, you didn't. Oh, you did too. And you know you did. You could feel you wake up. You could feel the person behind you going, oh, oh, oh. And then some of you, oh, maybe I better pay attention. It's more than once what I'm trying to say. I'm going to Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to read in and out of Galatians chapter 5 four or five times, but I'm going to preach from Genesis chapter 12 to Galatians chapter 5. So it's in the book. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. I could preach all day. If you're not free, you missed it. If you're not free right now, if you're not, if you're not free, if, if, you're, if you're living in bondage to anything right now, you missed it. Because God's people are not supposed to be in bondage. God's people are not supposed to be enslaved to their flesh or to their expectations. They're not supposed to be enslaved by institutions. Say free. free. Say I'm free. free. I'm going to live free. I want to stay free. Paul is writing to the Galatians and he's really ticked. He's ticked first of all at the people that have confused them. And he's ticked second of all that they would be confused. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Anybody know what a yoke is? If I had Devin, I'd show you. Uh, Devin can always do this really well. Uh, a yoke, it's oxen. You put oxen and you control it. Yoke, burden, heavy. on. He said, don't be enslaved again by that. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to you that every man who lets himself be circumcised, that he is obligated to obey the whole law. See, the Pharisees were saying, it's not enough that you know Christ, you need to be circumcised. It's not enough that you know Christ, you need to be this. It's not enough that you know Christ, you need to do that. It's not enough that you know Christ, we have our own set of rules. Well, you're not enough to... You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ and have fallen away from grace. To fall away from grace is not that you sin. To fall away from grace is to think that you can keep the law and don't need grace. For in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision nor any value, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Say love. Paul is irritated. This is his first letter. He's emotional. He's passionate. He's trying to fight the heresy of the Pharisees. This is a rescue operation. And in order to explain the rescue operation, I'm going to have to give you a class in the roots of our faith. I'm going to talk about the foundation of our faith. Because you see, when we are rootless, when we don't understand our ancient roots, we are then seduced by the culture in which we are living. 
And by that I mean that if the culture goes this way, we go that way because we want to identify with the people we're sharing life with because we need their approval after all. And, and so we just find ourselves based on the culture that we're living in. And, and really, our culture comes from the tree of God comes from who God is and how he made us. But if you don't know the foundation of your faith or the roots in which you are from, you don't know who you are, and so you're just seduced by every whim and fad that comes along, and our clothing changes, our language changes, and we just become concerned about what's relevant in pop culture. I get tickled because I get around all my kids and my grandkids, and they talk in pop culture-ish, and I ain't got a clue what they're talking about because they're quoting this movie and that song and this sitcom and this, that, and they, they talk in code, and I don't know what it is. And, and most of that is because I don't care. I, I just needed you to know I don't care about most of it because I'm, I'm anchored in something else. Now, you fly by whatever you want to fly. I don't care. And, well, you got to be relevant. No, I don't have to be relevant. All I have to do is be rooted and grounded in the love of God. That's all I have to do. But let's go back, way back, if we're going to have the conversation with these Galatians who are not Jewish, they're Galatians. They don't know anything about our faith. They don't know anything about Jewish tradition. So I, let me take you back and say Abraham. Abraham lived in the Ur of Chaldees, and the whole city of Ur was uh, separated apart to worship the moon god. And, and so they were happy worshiping the moon god. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 12 that God appeared to Abraham. God appeared. Say he appeared. Unsolicited, unasked. Abraham wasn't looking for God. Didn't know there was a God. Didn't care if there was a God. He was just doing his own thing, happy to be content in being a pagan in Ur. I'm just a pagan from Ur, and God shows up, just appears to us. Can someone say, grace? Just boom, there you are. I'll just come into your life. It just uns there's grace. God appears. The God of glory appears. And then the God of glory makes a promise to this moon worshiper and says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. You don't deserve to be blessed. You don't merit blessing. But I'm going to bless you. And by blessing you, I'm going to use you to bless the whole world. God appears, makes a promise to bless. No law. No benchmark. Not because you're righteous, just because I'm God, I'm going to pick Harry, and I'm going to make Harry a promise, and I'm going to promise Harry that all of his children and his children's children are going to be blessed. I'm going to give him children. I'm going to give him a place to live. I'm going to be his God just because. Say just because. There's the blessing. Just because. I'm going to bless you. It's called Abraham's blessing. And in the two chapters later, he shows up again. He goes, well, to make you really get it, I'm going to kill an animal, let blood run all over the place, and I'm going to swear. Generally, we would both promise each other, but you can't keep your word, so I'm not even going to let you in on it. I'm going to give you an anesthetic, put you over here, you sleep through it. I'll swear by myself, and I'll promise to keep your part and my part. So I'll keep your part. I'll play like I'm man, and I'll play like I'm God, and I'll do this myself because I don't need you. No law. No doctrine, no rules, no boundaries. I just promise. Just promise. Give me my word. I promise. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to keep you. I'm going to make my face shine upon you, be gracious to you. 
You'll be blessed going in and blessed going out. You'll be the head and not the tail, above and not below. No weapon formed against you will stand or prosper. Nothing will be able to separate you from me. I'll be yours in the weak and I'll be yours in the strong. Nothing will make me not love you. Just a promise. Say with me, just a promise. And that promise became the inheritance. I mean, you got to remember, Abraham went out into the desert. Left Ur, just goes out in the desert. He's got a few sheep he's taking care of out there. Has a boy named Isaac. He said, Isaac, I ain't got nothing, but I got a promise from God. Here, let me give you the promise. Let me just give you the promise. Give me the blessing. So he lays hands. Now, Isaac, you have the blessing from God. So it's passed from dad to son. Dad to son. Dad to son. Here, there's the promise. Promise worked because he could dig a well in the desert and find water anywhere. Promise worked because he could plant seed in the desert and it'd grow a hundredfold harvest. Isaac passed it on to his children, passed it on to his children. And by the end of Genesis, there are 70 insignificant sheep herders running around out there in the desert. And they're about to starve to death. And through a series of events, they get taken over to Egypt. And they stay in Egypt for 450, 500 years. Blessed. And now 70 of them turn to 3 million, and 3 million of them come out. And God says, okay, now, Moses, I want you to go over here to Mount Sinai. And he gets the Ten Commandments. Ten. Say ten. ten. Only ten. Just 10. Say 10. And we'll give you some rituals. Here's 10 commandments. Here's some rituals. When you break the commandments, you do the ritual, and I'll forgive you for breaking the commandments. So here's the commandments, but you're a screw-up. So I'll give you these rituals so I can forgive the fact that you're screwed up. Galatians chapter 3, 14 Paul says to the Galatians, now understand something. The law does not nullify the promise. So which comes first, the promise or the law? Hmm, The promise. And just because the law comes doesn't mean he doesn't keep his promise. So the law comes after the promise. So even though you break the law, his promise is still intact. So you break the law, but he made a promise. I break the law. I mess up, but he made a promise. The law doesn't come to give you salvation. The law doesn't come so you can be accepted. You're never going to be accepted because you commit to do good. You're going to be accepted because he showed up to you while you were lost, made you a promise. Now, you've got to hear me. It's the promise, not the law. They can't keep the law anyway. The law isn't there for them to keep. The law is to reveal to them how silly they are. The law reveals how sinful I am. The law reveals that I'm sin and he's not. The law reveals that even when I sin, he's bigger than my sin. So the law was put in place to reveal that I had need of a Savior because I couldn't save myself. And the more that I try to keep the law, the less I keep the law, and the more I know I need the law, unless I'm self-centered and think I could earn my way to God. They gave the law, and they all stood there next to this 19 says, We'll keep it. We'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it. How'd that work out? It didn't work out very well. It doesn't work out at all, really. And by 500 B.C., ain't nobody keeping the law. We got idols, we got Molech, we got everybody doing their own thing. We've closed the temple. We're not even keeping the rituals anymore. 
you remember that? Do you remember that law over in Leviticus where it says every seven years you let the ground lay fallow? So you work it for six, you let it lay fallow, and every seven sevens, every 49 years, then there's a jubilee and you get everything back. You remember that? That's in the law. Do you know they never did that? They never did it. We've preached it all these years. They never did it. Because I've often wondered, at about 500 B.C., he goes, I'm gonna, you're going to go into captivity for 70 years. Why 70? Well, because, Bruce, there were 70 Sabbath years they were supposed not to touch the ground, and they didn't do what he told them to do, so they had to give him back that 70 years. They never kept the Jubilee. The Jubilee is when you forgive everybody and everybody gets everything back. We don't do it either. We're supposed to be the ministry of reconciliation where we give everybody back and we're, we don't do it either. But anyway, they didn't keep the law, so 70 years. But while they're in captivity, they begin to go, we had it good. We were in Jerusalem. We had a city. We had a temple. We had a king. We were blessed, but we broke the law. If you hadn't broke the law, we wouldn't be here. If you hadn't broke the law. So what emerged in captivity was a group of people called the Pharisees. And the Pharisees became the religious police. And so the Pharisees took Ten Commandments and added 2,000 to them. They're called fence laws. And, And so because we don't ever want to go in captivity again. So you don't break the law, and I don't break the law, and that'll keep us from going in captivity again because God will love us if we keep the law. Are you here so far? So about 300 years before Christ, these Pharisees come into power, and they get very, very strong, and they make up rules. And it's, you know, you're, you're not supposed to take another man's wife, so that means you can't even look at a woman. So that means that if it, they didn't just say leper. They would shout, woman coming! And all the Pharisees had to go to the other side of the road, close their eyes, and try to keep walking. And they would run into walls. They were known as the bleeding Jews. You didn't get it. So we made laws so that we didn't break laws. We just had more laws, kind of like America. We just had more laws. We got more laws and more laws and more laws. I I could fix the IRS. Pay this and move on. Have you ever tried to do your own taxes? There's so dang many laws, you've got to get somebody to tell you what you owe. Never mind. I, that's just a pet peeve of mine. We got, first time I ever went to Israel, I got on the wrong elevator. Remember this? Got on the wrong elevator and it was Saturday. And I reached over and hit nine. The elevator went to two. Went to three, I pushed nine, it went to four, it was a kosher elevator. Kosher elevator, this is a true story. And I was staring at it, got out, look, kosher elevator. Because see, if you're Jewish, on Saturday you can't push nine because that would be work. So elevator opens on every floor. That was, that's now. That's today. Did you know a woman cannot pull a gray hair out of her head on Saturday? Because that would be fixing her hair. That's just now. I'm not talking 2000. I'm talking now. Did you know that, that on Friday night you put, the, you put on two kettles of hot water? Because you can't touch the stove on Saturday. And you want tea all day on Saturday. 
laws, rules, because rules are how you're saved. Rules are how you stay out of trouble. And the Pharisees are there, and everybody having fun. I mean, if you're really Jewish in Jerusalem at that time, you're scared to death that a Pharisee's going to see you. Maybe see you doing whatever, not doing whatever. Sound familiar yet? And Jesus is born. Jesus comes into the midst of that where they're yoked with the law. And he says, come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Them are fighting words. We've got to kill him. We've got to kill him because he's saying it's not by the law. We've got to kill him because he's going to take down the temple. We've got to kill him because if we don't kill him, are you here? Now, that, that's the time that we're here. And, and right after Jesus dies, you know, Forgiving people who are killing him. Revealing the love of the Father. Right after that, 90 days, Saul from Tarsus comes from the north, comes into the city, and everybody's talking about this rabbi named Jesus who's the Son of God. He lived and he died and sent his spirit, and, and, and now we're the body of Christ, and we're the temple of God, and we're doing all this in the name. And Saul goes, oh, I'm a Pharisee. I'm blameless. I've kept the law from my youth. This is nuts. We got to kill them. We got to rid them. Give me letters so I can go out and. And he's on his way to Damascus. And the God of glory appears. Where did we hear that before? Way back over here. A guy by the name of Abe. And the God of glory appears. Unsolicited, uninitiated, unwarranted, unwanted. Over here, I think I'm doing God's work, and the God of glory appears. Unwarranted, unsolicited, unwanted. I'm actually a murderer. I'm murdering people. I stood there while they stoned Stephen. And a God of glory, but now the God of glory has a name. Jesus. This scrambles a Pharisee's mind. Jesus is the God of glory. Jesus died on a cross. Jesus is alive. If that's true, what he said is true. If that's true, if that's true, that means the law is no more. If that's true, he kept the law. If that's true, what the law was weak in not being able to do in the flesh, God did by sending his own son who died and rose again. If that's true, what am I doing? If that's true, Paul's, Paul's scrambled now. This will scramble Pharisees. It'll take the rug and pull it out from under religious people who have been trying to keep all the rules so they can prove they're better. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. Paul got up from there, got filled with the Spirit, with Ananias laying hands on him, and went, ha, ha, the love of God. I'm beside myself. I'm out of my mind. Oh, my God, i got to go tell the world. And he starts telling the gospel. God appeared 
in Jesus, died, kept the law. Listen, it's not by works, but by faith and his grace that man is saved. It's not by works, but it's by faith in the grace, the goodness, the generosity, the love, the mercy of God. Oh, it's Christ plus nothing. It's Christ alone, the solid rock on which I stand. We sing it, but we don't believe it. We sing it, and then we add our little tribe, tribe, tribe. And if you're fundamentalist, Pharisee. <laughs> this is nuts. This, this, and, and, <laughs> They try to kill him, so he goes back into Arabia. We don't really know what he's doing. He comes back in Jerusalem, meets with Pete. He says, Pete, is this really true? And Pete goes, yeah, I think it's true. Pete goes and has that experience with the Gentiles. You know, Pharisees hate Gentiles. They hate Gentiles. They're, they get up every morning and go, thank God I'm not a woman, a dog, or a Gentile. <laughs> hate them. Everybody other than me, hate them. Are you ready? I'm, I'm about to make a revelant moment. That's racism. Racism didn't begin 400 years ago. It began in the beginning. When the Pharisees said, we're not them. That is racism. Racism has to be destroyed in the theology and the doctrine of the church. Oh, you're not in the room. Anybody that others, the Catholics, the Baptists, the Episcopalians, the Pentecostals, just name whoever you want to name. We're better than, we keep these rules. We don't do this and we do do that. Racism is in the spirit. Oh, my goodness. You see, the death of racism is when you die to the law. When you stop evaluating other people. When you stop measuring other people by some sort of standard that's probably been skewed by your own tribe. Or your own country. I mean, God can riff on. Pharisees! And Paul and Peter, they agree. Peter comes up to Galatia and he decides bacon's a good idea. <laughs> Never had bacon. But Paul is going, listen, there's no more Jew and Greek. There's no more rules. No more rules. So you're, not, you're not saved because you know Christ and then don't eat bacon. And Paul, Peter is going, well, Peter's hard to understand, but boy, this is good bacon. <laughs> Everything's better with bacon. Uh, and so Pete's having breakfast, and he's not even washing. I mean, if you're a Jew, you've got to wash forever before you eat. He's not washing. And, and the Pharisees slip up. And they slip into Antioch, and they start going, what are you doing? You're going to be the first pope of the church. What are you doing? You can't do this. And see, Peter has this inferiority complex. He wants to be accepted and loved by all people. So he gets up off this table, 
and he submits back to the yoke of the law. I can't have bacon. And even Barnabas gets taken in by this. And Paul reminds the Galatians in the first part of his letter to them, you remember I stood up to him. You remember Galatia? I stood up to him and said, that's not God. We're justified by faith and not by work. You remember I did that? And they leave. But now, after Paul leaves, the Pharisees come back by force. They're in suits and ties, briefcases. They're knocking on doors, and they're in force. Can't believe I did that, but I did that. Mm. They're in force, and they're knocking on doors, and they're going, Paul's not an apostle. Paul's really not an apostle. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Listen, that's cheap grace. You just think anybody can get saved, do whatever they want to. That's not true. You've got to keep. I've been accused for 40 years of preaching cheap grace, and I want to tell you, it was the most expensive thing that's in my life. It's not cheap grace. It's just simple. He died. I'm forgiven. It's just simple. And so they begin to tell Galatia, and Galatia begins to slip back under the yoke of the law. What are you doing? You know better than that. We're saved by faith in His grace and grace alone. It's Christ plus nothing. Don't give that up. If there was anything I would say to the church of the 21st century, don't allow the laws of this tribe, this tribe, because I promise you, this tribe just made up its own fence laws. This tribe made up its own fence laws. And they added them to the 2,000, to the 600, and to the 10. And it's a yoke. I can talk to everyone in this room. Have you ever got up on Tuesday and thought, I'm not a very good Christian? I used to know if I... How many of you have been rededicated 35 times? The year I turned 12, I got saved 54 times. Every Sunday night plus two Sunday mornings. If you walk out that door and you get hit by a truck, do you know where you're going? I'd taken bubble gum from Mr. Yangdel's grocery store that week. I knew I was a sinner. I had stolen bubble gum. So I would walk the red carpet, get back down on my knees and say, God, I'm a filthy, no good. I'm 12. Sinner, I took bubble gum. 54 times one year. Because by the rules, I'm a sinner. But by the promise, I'm righteous. But by the rules, I'm a sinner. But by the blood of Jesus, I've been made righteous. Oh, wretched man of I. But the Pharisees are loud. And Paul writes to Galatia, trying to help them. He said, listen, if one man died, we all die. If one man rose, we all rose. It's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives within me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in him and him alone. This is the gospel. 
And he writes to them and says, if anybody preaches any other gospel, let them be cursed. And that is a kind word. If anybody says Christ plus, let them be cursed. Wow. Think about it, church. Think about the world you and I are living in. It's Christ plus whatever your tribe says. And that tribe's Gentile. Dog. Racism. Are you in the room? Uh, America has to really deal with this issue. The American church has to really deal with this issue if she wants to deal with the issue of social justice where it comes to racism. Because it's far deeper than the color of the skin. It has to do with the character of the heart. It has to do with your theory of God. It has to do with how you see God and how you think you're saved. God appeared. Surprise! God makes a promise. And then God keeps all the rest of it and you're just... It can't be that easy. Oh, I got 11 minutes. If only that guy hadn't sung so long, just stood there with his hands in the air, would have been. What was all that about, Martha? I don't know. Galatians chapter 3, center point of the message. Oh, foolish Galatians, who bewitched you? Who bewitched you? Who hypnotized you? Who got you fascinated with the law? People get fascinated with, well, over here it says this. <laughs> Listen, put it in context and read it from cover to cover and then we'll talk. Don't, don't do this because I'm telling you, every Pharisee that I've ever met can pick something up out of there and use it to beat somebody else in the head. They can make it mean anything they want to. The reason I preach to you from cover to cover is because you've got to know the whole story to understand the nature of God. Oh, foolish Galatians, who bewitched you that you would not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? Verse 2, this only I want to learn to you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by the hearing of the faith? Now then, we in the American church neglect the work of the Spirit. But in the early church, oh my God, they got the Spirit. Somebody ought to water baptize them. Oh, my God, the Holy Spirit fell in the upper room. They are saved. Oh, my God, that group over there got the Holy Spirit. Oh, my God, that group over there got the... See, God the Spirit. It's not Father, Son, and old what's-his-name. God is the Holy Spirit. He is the Holy Spirit. And the blessing of Abraham is that the promise of the Spirit might come to them. The blessing of Abraham is that the promise of the Spirit would come upon them. Through you, all the nations of the world are going to be blessed. The Holy Spirit's going to go to everyone who believes that Jesus died for them. The Holy Spirit is going to come. In other words, if, if you've received the Holy Spirit, if you've received Jesus, you've received the Spirit. If you receive the Spirit, you've received Jesus. Contrary to my pharisaical upbringing of three works of grace, the truth is, is if you get saved, the Holy Spirit is in you. Now, for some of you, you diminished that so low that you didn't know he was really there. Kind of thought maybe he could be, but after, if he, even if he is here, he doesn't do that stuff anymore. 
And Paul says, did you, through the keeping of the law, gain access to the presence of God? Did your rule keeping lead you into a relationship with the presence of God? Or when you heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, was your heart strangely warmed? When you heard that Christ died for you and that the promise was free, is that when the Holy Spirit? See, I know a lot of people that are saved, but they don't come to church. Because after their heart was strangely warmed and they knew they were forgiven by the grace of God, a Pharisee whispered in their ear, your dress needs to be longer. you got to take those earrings out. What are you doing with those tattoos? What do, you, what do you mean you had a glass of wine? See, people hear the pure gospel, and then a Pharisee whispers in their ear and raises doubt, suspicion. And you wonder whether or not, well, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I'll never be good enough, so I just... We in the faith call it backsliding. We call it you backslid and not come back and get saved for the 45th time this year. When the truth of them is, is you just recognized, I can't keep the law. Thank God for the promise. Oh, Bishop, then you're just telling people to go do whatever the heck they want to do. No, no. No, 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 no. Because chapter 5, are you still here? Am I boring you? Chapter 5 says, stand free in the freedom which in you have been made by Christ. Do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Don't put on the law. But use your freedom to serve one another and to love one another. Don't use your freedom to satisfy the flesh. Don't use your freedom and, oh, shucks, it doesn't matter, so I'll just do whatever I want to. No, no, no. Use the freedom that you have, even as an imperfect vessel, to love other people. Imperfectly. That's a good word. Huh. So what's the rub, bub? Well, the rub is that when I realize that, that I'm immature... I grow impatient with myself. I, I do something stupid and I see that that's not smart or Christian or kind. And I think I'm impatient with myself. So I need a rule that will help me from being like that. So my own internal Pharisee. See, the biggest Pharisee in the world is the one that's on the inside of you whispering to you. And so when you realize how weak you are, you add these little things, and it, you call them disciplines. Some, of, some people are going, he's ripping the rug out of everything. Yes, because if you think your disciplines make you holy, you're wrong. So you add these little things trying to keep yourself protected. Hmm. Because I don't trust that God 
can mature me over time. And if I'm impatient with me, I'm sure as heck impatient with you. Because I might be a little, but thank God I'm not like that. So I need all the rest of you to be imperfect too because that makes me feel better about And I take my own internal little Pharisee and I put it on. And so now we've got Christ plus all these little pharisaical. And we wonder why the power of God isn't working. We wonder. Oh, foolish Galatians, what are you doing? Who's bewitched you? How did you become so fascinated in every jot and tittle that choked? What's the matter with you? It's Christ and Christ alone. It's Christ on the cross. It's Christ plus nothing. Don't you know? Love is patient and kind. And maturity happens over time. So give yourselves a break. Let God work in you both to do his will. What he has begun, he'll bring to completion. See, this sermon isn't about how much power I have. It's about how much transformation is taking place inside of my soul that I might become more and more like him, that it's not I, but it's Christ. And I can't pollute it with Christ plus. Yeah, but everybody in here, that just means so good. Well, we got to be patient with God and with each other. And let that maturity, because Galatians 5 will say, not by the works of the flesh, but by the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is not the fruit of the flesh. It's not your product, it's His product. Have you received the Holy Spirit? Yes, He's in me. And the Holy Spirit is going to bear fruit in my life, going to bear the life of Christ through me. And I won't be able to speed the process up. And when I see those little failures in me and in you, I've just got to trust that Christ is working all things together. And now we're not talking about the world. We're talking about my emotions and my weaknesses and my inner turmoils and my fears and all that. And he's working that together in me, Anita. And maybe at 62, I'm a little more ripe than I was at 32. Maybe. And I got to tell you, as you turn 62, we live in a culture that doesn't appreciate 62. It appreciates 32. It doesn't appreciate the wisdom that comes with just living this a bit. Sorry. But we need a little bit of... Of course, that also says that some of the old goats that have just become more Pharisees need to... Never mind. It goes both ways. I mean, it, right? I mean, can can you feel that? It's Christ plus nothing. It's love that is patient and kind with himself, herself. Because the more patience and kind you are with yourself, the more patience and kind you can be 
Did you know the word Christian actually means to reveal kindness? Hmm. Hmm. You and I are living in a world that is filled with impatience. When's this going to be? Over. Filled with impatience. How long is racism? Name any other thing. Maybe when we stop adding rules to it and fall back into the promise of God, trust that God is working all things together. Maybe just in this room, I'll be patient with you, you be patient with me. Maybe just at home in your marriage, you be patient with him, he'll be patient with you. Maybe the other opinions of other tribes, maybe. Oh, but pastor, why don't you preach on power? I think, I think I'll preach on fruit. Because against such there is no law. Again, if I start calling everybody down here and everybody falls down, everybody blah, 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 blah. But what if we just went throughout our community bearing the fruit of the Holy Spirit? And the people could just receive the Christ. That'd be a revolution. That'd be a revival. That might change the world. Abraham, God appeared. I wish you had been in my office before and after service. One of my best friends. Going to turn 74 this year. He came to Christ in 2000 at 52. I remember him standing right there. I remember tears running down his face as he said, Can you see that? And God appeared. I hadn't preached. God appears. My prayer is that God would appear to you. Because when God appears to you, you'll jettison every rule. Yourself on the mercy of that happened to me a long time ago. A little pickup. I wished I could tell you it happened when I was 12 and he preached the sermon. No, my head got it. But in a little Izuzu pickup, he appeared. May God appear to you. May he rip every rug out from under you. May you never let a Pharisee add anything to your life again. May you be patient with yourself and with God as he changes and molds and reveals himself through your life. May we be the church. The law was fulfilled that the promise might be received. Jesus fulfilled the law so that you could live in the promise blessing of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Don't neglect it. Don't neglect it. Hallelujah. Did you get anything out of that?